You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Would have been nice if they could have pulled that out. That that would have been a big help for the table because there's a there's a fact pattern that's not totally improbable that results in Costa Rica uh, hanging very close with America going into that last game. Yeah, how's that well, pap sponsorship coming there, Asa? Oh man, I wish. Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast. Uh, a fun American aunt who doesn't have kids of the Touchline Media Group. Uh, we enjoy our alcohol and not showing up for uh, for for holidays. Uh, I'm your host Asa, aka the Twig. My co-host uh, Napoleon Greg, aka the Stump, will be here soon. Uh, one of these days. We, uh, we are going to figure out who's going to sponsor us in advance from Blue Wire, but it's not this day. So whoever sponsors us, we appreciate it, as well as the Smith Workforce Management Group. We have our good friends and uh, semi-permanent soccer co-hosts, uh, Ben and Kevin here. Uh, you know Ben from halfspaces.com, and you know Kevin from various burner accounts on Reddit. Uh, boys, we, we, just, uh, we just finished off a six-point window, which uh, looks like a nine from a certain perspective uh how we how we feeling nice i mean how we how are kevin why don't you lead it up because you said you're grumpy i don't know if i'm quite so far as grumpy but explain i'm still i'm still grumpy i'm grumpy at the notion that there's there's other podcasts like ours and there's also um like media outlets that grow larger in stature and are more and more visible and increasingly corporate and if you want to believe the the reddit twitter verse of you know, the, the USSF, some MLS, you know, uh, cartel, they're going to be very, very happy. And, oh, wow, look at this great result. And it was American resiliency. And we got that tough win in Minneapolis. And 
honestly, like, I don't really care to hear that narrative. What made that game the most difficult was the fact that we scheduled it in Minneapolis on February 2nd, where this is relatively seasonal weather that they're experiencing against the worst team in the, in the group. I'm not going to applaud them for that and overcoming the elements. That's, that's self-inflicted. We scored three set piece goals. We dominated in possession as we do against most every team. Now it's, it's kind of strange as a, it felt like we used to always have to play against the ball and all of a sudden our midfield can just boss people, which is fun, but we did the bare minimum to, to not put ourselves absolutely in a position of desperate need for other results going forward. Um, the third window has, or the final window of World Cup qualifying for me has always been, it's a death march. And, and it's been made worse by the fact that Panama has played so well. You basically have at Mexico, a knockout game, an elimination game, possibly winner take all at home against Panama, followed by Costa Rica on the road. There's no margin. Now, granted, you have to win at home to go to the World Cup, blah, 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 blah. But this team still, for all of its talent, has done nothing to to build itself an appreciable cushion. And that frustrates me. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. Like, where I'm at at this point is, look, we just beat the worst team in the group. They have a negative 17 goal differential. They Their last match was a 2-0 home loss to El Salvador. So, congrats. We just won 3-0 here. I mean, you're supposed to do that. So whatever, three set-piece goals, it's better than losing, better than drawing. And what I, what I keep telling myself is <sighs> World Cup qualifying form has very little to do with how you actually play in the World Cup. Like, you just have to get there. So do I have any confidence that we're going to outperform, like, expectations at the World Cup? No, not really. Like, I, I don't know. Like, you just got to – I don't know. I'm just kind of in a blah kind of mood right now. It just feels like an average team that's going to averagely qualify for the World Cup and averagely either squeak into the knockout round of, you know, of the World Cup or go out in the third game. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm too negative, but so meh. Yeah. I, I mean, look, like, like, obviously, like, there's, there's the, the, the macro stuff and the, and the, the micro of this game. Um, I think on a macro level, you know, I just, I obviously uh, this chat is not shared with our listeners, but um, we're basically minus one from an, an, an expected value um, from each of our games that we've played, right? Like the, the expected value of, of, of our, of all games against all teams is four. You win at home, you, you draw on the road. Um, we dropped three and added two. We dropped three to, to Canada. We added two against Honduras. So despite and and like i get it i'm not really opposed to your your guys's sentiment um about the manner in which we play and the manner in which we're constructed and kevin very subtly subtweeting matt doyle and his ilk um but the the fact of the matter is is like like from a from a macro level we are doing what we're supposed to do minus one right like we 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 picked up in a way when when we should have had a draw against honduras and we dropped a a you know, what is in aggregate three points against um, Canada. So I, I think that there's, there's like sort of a difference between what we see on the field and what we have as results, right? Um, like as results, I mean, look, there's, it's, it's not up to us to, to beat Costa Rica as Jamaica. You know, it's, it's not up to us to make the table easier than it is, but 
I think it's, it's, it's pretty simple the rest of the way you, you beat Panama uh, and you draw against Costa Rica and you're in, right? Like that's, that's the game. Um, you know? I don't say, I think if we just beat Panama at home, I think we're pretty much in. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Most likely. Yes. If, if Canada decides, if Canada decides to not play against Costa Rica and then opening, there's a way where Costa Rica could theoretically track us down. It's like one out, right? Yeah. And, so you make a fair point about the EV of four, Per, per, per home and home to qualify true but we're also minus one with the road games coming at mexico and costa rica part of my issue if we had road games at jamaica and el salvador or hundred or basically anyone other than costa rica and mexico i'd feel a bit better about where we are with trying to steal points there but the the schedule is very backloaded we've known that from the beginning well, and there, i don't i don't want to like steal somebody else's work but i'm pretty sure it was uh greg velasquez the scuffed guy who said like the the road the away form for the united states is hugely skewed because we've never won at costa rica or at mexico everybody else we don't always win but we have won fairly regularly it's not that hard to you know beat honduras away or jamaica away or whatever so it's just those two that really kind of give Concacaf away this like you know, like stigma of it's impossible. So unfortunately, those are the two. Correct. Those are the two we got coming. That, that's like that's that's just my general displeasure. Is you can look at all these Monte Carlo models. You can talk about probabilities to qualify if the U.S. does what it's supposed to do. True, but I don't. There, there is no cushion. We have to do what we're supposed to do, or we're going to be in trouble with with the lifelines being really, really ugly situations. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that there, that outside of obviously the games that, that America is playing and the, we're, we're recording this at 9.37 uh, PM uh, Eastern on, on uh, Wednesday, the second. So we don't know what is happening in the, in Mexico, Panama game. Um, I, I think that we can all speak uh, in one voice saying um, vamos el tree. It'd be, it'd be real nice. Oh yeah. Mexico could, could win that game. Um you know, and get a whole bunch of yellow cards. Uh, <laughs> yellow card accumulation. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. Could, could really For both teams. Some, yeah. Yeah. Would, would really love some yellow card accumulation in that game. Uh, but beyond that, I, I think that like you look at it in, in that last window, um, currently El Salvador and Canada are playing that's tied. If El Salvador can muscle out some sort of result there, that'd be great. Um, but that first game between Costa Rica and, and Canada, I think sets the tone. Um, if, if Canada gets a beat them down game and, and Costa Rica, you know, drops points in that one, then you're looking, you're looking at a situation where, you know, assuming Panama loses tonight and assuming, uh, Canada takes care of business against Costa Rica, you know, like we're, it's a lot of ifs at this point, but, um, Ben, I think you're right. You beat Panama. You're in certainly in that fourth game. Um, you know, you, you, you go on the, the road to Costa Rica and you draw that, you're, you're, you're clear in. Um, but let's, let's talk, you know, obviously there was a game tonight um, and it, and it was a win and it was, there was a lot going on and we will, we'll talk about all of that, but, but there was a game tonight. And, and so let's, let's sort of start, you know, we always go back to front. So um, did Matt Turner do anything tonight? Like, can you remember him doing anything? <laughs> the poor dude lost his hand warmer. Like, yeah, oh, that was, was- I like that to believe. So mean. I like to believe that that was like a, a not only like something that actually happened, but a metaphor for the day that the Vikings had today. 
where I was like, I thought this thing was going to be good. And it was not, it was not what I thought it was going to be. I have to throw it away, go back to the drawing board. Uh, we didn't, you know, devote an entire podcast episode last night to Harbaugh leaving. Mm. Um, <laughs> How did that turn out? Yeah, it was great. Uh, feel free to listen. Still I'm sure you're glad you stayed up late editing to post that one. It was awesome. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but anyways, um, that was probably like the biggest moment of Matt Turner's day was when he got yelled at for wearing hand warmers um, or the, like the quarterback hand warmer, um, which is like a testament. Referee was just mad. He didn't have one. Like if I can't have one, neither can you. Yeah. Right. Right. Just like a, a, a the, the bitter Jamaican ref. And I, 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 I don't, I don't think we've ever talked about refereeing on this beyond like the jokes. Um, but I thought that the Jamaican ref had a real rough night. <laughs> um trying like like it was like he was trying to be a hard ass but also not call every it was like it was very yeah. weird all over um, the place it was all over the place um i thought i like and, and we'll get there but like i thought brendan aronson had a clear penalty um at like towards the end of that game in like the 80th minute not that it mattered um yeah. and i think everybody wanted to go home it was sort of like the yeah like the little the little league ref whose whose strike zone gets progressively larger larger as the as the sun sets gotta love the no extra time thing like dude we're done here it's cold i I would immediately i'd rather not take that penalty and and get kids get everyone off the field before you know frostbite really sets in yeah so so the the back line there was a um was two two changes from the canada game uh reggie cannon started on the right dest uh, in the Canada game seemed to pick up some sort of, of slight knock. I, I think that um, hopefully he's fine. Uh, obviously Chris Richards uh, picked up something more than a slight knock in the Canada game. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see if, if he's exactly as healthy. It's like um, a bone bruise, right? Uh, either, like either a bone bruise or, or, or a broken foot, but I think they confirmed bone bruise. Okay. Um, so, so he'll hopefully be, be back in a couple of weeks, ready to go against Mexico, but, um, Walker Zimmerman replaced Chris Richards and then, and then Jedi on the left. Um, again, like I, Walker Zimmerman had a goal. That was cool. Um, Jedi. So maybe, maybe this isn't exactly what you're asking, but, uh, I honestly, I think that Berhalter handled rotation a little bit better this window. So he kind of rotated the two games between three center backs Mm-hmm. I mean, Richard's kind of forced it into that, but that kind of makes sense to me. Like, you know, three guys get two games each. And then I don't know. I kind of thought the fullbacks were kind of anonymous tonight. Like they were I both agree. there, but I don't remember a whole lot about either one of them. I guess uh, Jedi had a couple decent crosses. Yeah. Uh, Cannon ran hard, but yeah. a lot of the attacking went through the wings. But. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that way a trust Cannon. And I'm not saying that like, like to like stir up some drama, but like, there were a couple times where, and and I, and going to hear you said that. I'm sorry. Gonna... <laughs> I, I, I love you, Reggie. I, you know this, um, but like, I, I, I get the sense that like, there were a couple of times where um, Dest would make those overlapping runs and way would just like immediately mindlessly drop it off to him. Like, because that's what like you're supposed to do. And with Cannon, he didn't seem as, as willing to do that. He was, he, he, he more, you know, sort of took a second with the ball at his feet and made a move, which, Granted, is a good idea because he's our best open field player at this point. Uh, well, they don't have him. that chemistry. Right. Rhea and Des, I think, have built more of that. Right, right. And and so I, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I thought that the fullbacks were sort of anonymous. I thought that obviously Zimmerman had the goal, which is great. Um, I thought yeah. Miles won the balls in the air when when Honduras tried to go deep. And that was sort of all he was asked to do. 
Now, this is probably bad form, but do you remember like three to six months ago when uh, Alexi Lawless called Walker Zimmerman like the second best center back in the pool? Yep. Everybody like was like, you're such a troll. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah well. He's a winner in MLS. The guy, you know, if I was starting an MLS team and I had to get yeah. a game level center back, it'd be him. Yeah. Uh, FC Cincinnati would really love it if your answer was Jeff Cameron and, and we could pretend that that was a good thing. <laughs> Oof. Um, I think I'm as mobile as Jeff Cameron at this point. You might be. Um, but so, so, so speaking about just sort of, and, and this brings me to, to Acosta um, because I want to talk about him sort of in the same breath with the, with, with Walker Zimmerman. Um, like a lot of the, the, the discourse on Twitter, at least during the game was, yeah, Acosta can do this against Honduras. Who cares? And I think that people massively misunderstand the point of qualifying and it's, it's, it's to qualify. Like, it, look, if we have a situation where Kellen Acosta um, or Walker Zimmerman has to play serious minutes against France, yeah, we're dead in the water. But we're dead in the water anyways. Um, <laughs> like, it, it's not like, it's not like it's going to go well regardless. So I think, like, the fact that Kellen Acosta is, is – and this then goes back to, like, your point about, like, he's just the world's greatest practice player. Um, hashtag leg talent. Yeah, hashtag – an arm. <laughs> Dude is dude is uh, Josh Allen before he figured it out. Um, I but think like, that's some of it. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, well, Asa, I, make your point, and then I'm yeah, gonna jump in. I just think like when he has time, because he had so much time, and you saw it also on the set pieces. When he has time to survey the field, he is a weapon. When he has any amount of pressure, he turns into uh, a puddle. Like I, I I I don't know, but like if you can get him a game against a team with a low block, like shoot, I'm cool with him over Tyler Adams against teams that bunker. Because, like, the fact of the matter is, is that, like, the, the, the relative difference between them as destroying defenders um, is, is great. But if you're not going to have to do that all the time, then, like, take your space and use the guy who can, who can put the ball where he wants it. I just I love to see Acosta hit the ball. Like, I'm a tennis – I played tennis in high school and college, and there'd just be some guys you watch play, and, like, the ball just moves different. When it like it just has that amount of spin that most people can't get on it, and when Acosta hits the ball, it just has that little bit extra bit of bend, a little bit extra bit of English. It's just really pleasing to the eye. So I don't know. I just I enjoy watching Kellen hit the crap out of the ball. It was pleasing uh, on set pieces as well because his mm-hmm. delivery, w- when Reina is not available, it's Acosta. It's got to be Acosta. It has to be Acosta because when it isn't. We don't have anyone on the team who can take set pieces. I mean, Pulisic is serviceable, but I mean, he's not serving in there like Callum can. And, and also, there's... maybe I, he's mm. he's looked tough hitting those. Anyways, I'm not going to slam him. I think that Acosta against a low block, you're right, Asa. He he can cover and cover open ground. I think he runs hard. And he stays engaged. I think that a lot of the hate that he gets also is when he's asked to play a more advanced role. Now, if we're getting pressed, yes, he's scary as a six. But the other thing that I think helped with his performance tonight was the fact that anytime that the ball went into McKenney or Luca De La Torre's feet, on like the turn, they were just dusting dudes left and right. And you can't commit a midfielder. You can't commit someone to press the ball when, heaven forbid, it squirts out to one of those two guys. And they just, time after time, were able to just dribble it. They didn't make final passes that resulted in scoring chances. But as far as transitioning the ball from our end deep into their end, it was almost immediate. And I think that that gave 
Acosta a bit more breathing room than well. And I think when when you really sit down to compare uh, Tyler Adams and Kellen Acosta, like if you just physically line them up to each other, like I think Acosta is probably comes out ahead there. He's bigger, stronger, longer limbed, da 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 da. da. But he doesn't have the awareness, like the quickness of processing that that Tyler has. Like Tyler doesn't get well. I mean. He's very, very quick to respond. He generally it does not get stuck on the ball. I mean, he'll cough it up here and there. But, like, I don't know, just that mental quickness, I think, is, like, such a huge separator from a guy who's playing Champions League to a guy who's playing, you know, MLS. Yeah, and 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 that's fine. And the thing is, is that, like, it's it's not an insult to Acosta to say that he's not a Champions League caliber six. I right. think that he knows that, and I think that everybody knows that. I think – but, like, I think the thing is, is that and, – and my defense of Acosta – is that he is useful against the Honduras, El Salvador, Jamaica of the world. You know, what we thought Panama was, not so much. But, you know, the way that Canada plays us, um, he would have been useful in that game in the same way that John Brooks would have been useful mm-hmm. in that game. Because you can, when, you, when you're not being pressed and you're not being harassed, like you can pick out passes and you can make it, you can break it down. He could have been a difference maker in that game. It, a couple of those really poorly taken set pieces by Pulisic, if those corners, you know, were a little bit higher and hit a little bit harder into the box. Like who knows? Maybe one of those gets buried. Right. I think I th- the problem is the the best lineup the U.S. can put out there, like given the current roster, doesn't have a set piece guy in it. Right. Well, right. well, it's Rain, is, Rain is supposed to be back for Dortmund. It, right. I would assume. Well, I don't know that. <sighs> The, the wing situation has been turned on inside because Wea and Aronson, for different reasons, are, you know, worthy of accolades. And Pulisic's getting benched. Rain has been hurt for months. But we'll get to that part of the lineup here. I don't want to yeah. well, jump again. Right. But but I, I think that, like, when you when you look at this roster, like, yeah, and, and, it, and it goes back to something that Greg said since that game, um, which, like, look, I don't want to talk about Greg Berhalter's uh, press conferences since the Canada game because, whoo. Whoo! I'll get grumpy takes. again. Yeah, some hot, spicy takes that were so hot that even like PTI and Stephen A. Smith were like, "What?" And like that's, that's like one of those things that where it's like when you have a weird corner of it's 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 like in in school, right? When you're the weird kids and suddenly the popular kids notice you, it's not good. You don't want them to notice you because <laughs> yeah. it's not going to be fun. Um, and that's what happened here. It's like we have our weird men's like like soccer team and it's like why is Stephen a shit that's not gonna be good and it wasn't yeah. we, we could have taken something so dumb we can talk about it <laughs> put it on we could have taken nine points out of this window had already clinched the world cup and probably wouldn't have you know gotten a mention but instead we're getting dragged because of some crazy stuff said uh well, the, but only, any- the only thing i've heard that maybe made sense is like if he's just looking to take pressure off his dudes that's that's some 4d chest i'm not sure i buy that but whatever yeah, I mean, like, look, like, if, if he's doing the thing where it's like, I'm going to take heat because I, because I have a bunch of kids, fine. Um, I don't think that's, I, I also don't think that's the case. But one thing that he did say, which which I thought was revealing in its own way, was that he said, like, oh, yeah, I went back and watched it and turned out uh, Canada was playing a low block. Now, A, <laughs> dummy, yeah, you, you had to go back and watch to see that. Let, like, let's talk about your in-game coaching. But B, and more importantly, is that once you saw that they were playing a low block, I would have pulled Tyler. I would have pulled Tyler. I would have said, look, like you've done your job at 45. We need something else. Bring on um, Luca De La Torre based right. on how we played tonight. Right. So, so, so let's, let's, let's go to the, to the dual eights. 
Um, obviously, Weston mm. McKinney is our best player. Uh, I, I don't think that that is up for debate anymore. Um, is he the best American player ever based on his current form? My goodness. He like, he's in, I still think project restart Pulisic was in a better, better form. Okay. I but, agree there. I agree. But there, Weston, but... Weston is balling. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say outfield player because Tim Howard still exists. Um, ah, goalies are boring. <laughs> Tim, Tim we've Howard. Good at goalie ace though. We've never had like a good, like soccer player. You know uh, what I mean? Deuce. Deuce. I, I, I'll, I'll stand for deuce, but <laughs> yeah, I, I'm probably, I'm ignoring that. And I'm sure that there's some window where like, I don't know, Steve Chirundolo, someone's going to tell me it was right. like the, or, or, or Claude. Well, the, the drummers of soccer. Right. Whatever. <laughs> but he, they both uh, balled. Luca de, de la Torre has to be in the, the roster. He, well, honestly, I would say the most encouraging thing here is it looks like we have some legitimate depth at this point. Like, I feel fairly comfortable with de la Torre as a third eight. Like, Acosta made me feel a little bit better as a second six. Mm-hmm. Like, both, you know, like we I, have three solid center backs at this point that I'm okay with. Maybe even four if Brooks is, like, going to be you know, back on the team someday. So, so we, we've talked about like since, since before the nation's league, like we had, we had three noticeable issues, right? Backup left back, backup six, third and fourth eights. And Delatore and Busio, I'm, I'm cool with as, mm-hmm. as your backup eights. I'm cool with Acosta as your backup six. Uh, still working on that backup left back issue. Uh, Please somebody start scoring from forward. Anybody. Yeah. Uh, like you know who we've not heard from lately at the eight, Sebastian Legette. Yeah, I mean yeah. he didn't make he didn't make any of the rosters, right? He's getting Jackson Yule out. Yeah, and so what's interesting to me is I thought that the 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 roster swap was Busio because of COVID was left out, and that's what gave Delatore his his in. It wasn't like Legette came out that maybe Legette was going to be at home. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what we saw today was that when, when Wes came off and you needed the fourth eight, like literally the fourth eight on the roster, it was rolled on. I'm not an MLS hater. And I feel like people are, are going to start running out of like players to like scapegoat. Cause like Jackson Ewell isn't getting looks anymore. If, if Legette, who probably was the only, he was my number one guy that I just, I just hated how negatively he would play sometimes. Like if these guys stop making appearances, like, what are we going to yell about on Twitter? How cold it is in Minneapolis, I guess. Like, it yeah, was we'll, easy this time. So, so we'll, we'll get there. I, I know, like, it probably made sense to talk about that, that at the jump, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, I think, like, the, the MLS hate probably goes to some combination of Walker Zimmerman, Jordan Morris, and Paul Areola. Who also who, didn't play. Yeah, right. like, Areola's yeah. not really part of the situation because I think, and, and Kevin, you said this last time, like, Greg Berhalter also watches the games. Um, and and I, I think that he he looked at the situation and he said Brendan Aronson is a better Paul Ariola. Okay. All right. Like that's that's fine. And and as yeah. for Jordan Morris, I, I've always liked Jordan Morris. I, I did not like starting him today, and that, that brings us to the wingers. But before we get to the wingers, because we have uh, things that we need to do on this podcast, uh, let's go to this sponsor. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I think that was my worst transition ever, but whatever. Um, it was pretty low effort. It's yeah, all right. <laughs> whatever. I put as much effort into that as the, uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation put into looking at the weather channel for, for Minnesota. Uh, oh yeah, I was bad. Uh, anyways, but so, so the, the big news. Nobody died, I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm waiting for like, we know of. <laughs> you know, fr- frostbite, you know, I'm sure as, as dudes are taking their shoes off in the locker room and I, I, I'm serious, like I am concerned that there's going to be like lingering health issues from this. I'm being so dramatic right now, but it's not a, impossible. Uh, I'll say I, it like that. A two players. So apparently two of the subs for Honduras. Um, I, I saw this. I were, were because like the players were like, no. Like, I'm not going back out there. I think the goalie swap was because um, Honduras's goalie, whose name I don't have in front of me, was just like, nope, not going out, not doing it. I'm, I'm picturing, uh, you know, in Cool Runnings where they get to yeah. Calgary and they, like, stop at the exit from the airport? That's what I'm picturing. They're just like, yep. no, not going back out. Nope, not doing it. And, like, fair. But anyway, so the big news um, from, the, from the lineup was that uh, Christian got dropped uh, for – for Jordan Morris. Uh, and I look, I, I dislike that because I don't think that you can make a inform argument, uh, to, 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 to bring, to, to stop John Brooks from coming and then start a guy who hasn't started uh, a soccer game of meaning since January, 2020. So here's the thing, like, yes, like Pulisic is a better player than Jordan Morris. And he's arguing this, but like, you can't play everybody 270 minutes. Like, right. I don't hate, like, it's Honduras. If you can't be friggin' Honduras with Jordan Morris for 60 minutes, then go home. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I don't know. Chelsea, yeah. I'm sure, isn't hating, like, oh, cool, you guys only played him on 210 minutes instead of 270. Great. But uh, I don't know. Well, I'm not upset about it. Yeah, the, 180. There, he got pulled for, with, with 60 left in that. Oh, level. that's right. Yeah. There was, like, a rotational thing. I, I didn't hate it. I also... It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a big energy move from Burhalter to do that because, let's say that I don't know, it's freezing cold, someone pulls a hamstring or like the the result goes sideways on us. There's going to be the headlines will be to the effect that like he sat ballistic. Like why? Because to the casual American fan, I got two texts from two people that I would consider very casual, and. Both of them were like, why isn't Pulisic starting? Like, he is the name. And, yes, there's there's reasons he hasn't played well. I think that maybe you should have started Aronson in spot of Morris. That would have been a little bit more defendable. Uh, but yeah. it worked. And I don't – I don't it, I, it didn't bother me as much as I thought it would have. Just because he's been so poor for so long, like – so, so what's, what's interesting to me about this and look, like I'm, I'm with you, you're not going to play, you, you, you don't need to start him three, like all the arguments you made, I, I find very valid. Um, except for the, the fact that like the time to play the Morris Wea wingers is when you have Jesus Ferreira out there because both Morris and Wea want to get North South. And then there is room for that false nine um, with Pepe. Like that's, that's when you play Pulisic because theoretically there's room so like i i get it i just wish that like it's it's like a, a situation like we're in in american football it's like the running backs coach and the offensive line coach don't talk to each other and they put in like the big beefy guys with the scat back 
And it's like, nope, we need, we need our, our quick linemen on this drive. And like, they're like not talking to each other. This lineup also did kind of feel like the, it's cold, just kick it up there. Yeah. Lineup, like Pulisic isn't your guy for that. I mean, maybe Zardes is better than Pepe for that, but at this point, like who cares what Ford is out there? Just kick it up there see what happens. Yeah. And you needed to start Pepe. Like, like I, I think that if you didn't start Pepe after, after the Canada game, you're in trouble. Well, it almost does seem like, I mean, I'm jumping ahead here. Berhalter is pl- kind of playing like striker roulette. He's like, you go, now you go, now you go. Come on, somebody I, score. If it wasn't last podcast, it was like two podcasts ago. That's what I'd be doing. Like, I would, I don't know who to pick. Right. Yeah. The, you just, the, you, whatever. Cool. You announce the lineup, but then the only guy who scored a goal in the last couple of months is still sitting in England. And he scores two of them like 10 minutes after the roster drops. Like, it's frustrating. And, and, and like, you know, you, you say, okay, Pepe is our most informed striker. Great. Cool. And then he, he, he does not play well for us and does not play well for his club. Great. Jordan Pifok plays great for his club, doesn't play well for us. Okay, great. Like, like I, I'm with you. I, th- I think he's just rolling it out. Like, eh, who, who, well, who cares? So. We'll see. Sargent will get another good look. I think if he scores like one more goal between now and the next window, I think deservedly he'd get called back up. Well, I think I brought this up before, but I think it was the 2010 World Cup. Like Hercules Gomez got brought and it had not played a single game in qualifying just because he, he got hot and led like Liga Amekis in goals like for that, that summer or something. Like, well, let's bring this guy He's scoring goals. Like, I feel like that could happen with any of those seven guys. And it's an extended time period. I mean, you know, God willing, we, we, we qualify among the top three, the, the, the distance between the end of qualifying and, and the world cup is not three months. It is seven months. You know, it's not, it's not over the summer. It's, it's next Thanksgiving or this Thanksgiving. So um, I, I, I was, I was mildly frustrated to see Morris, but it worked out. So whatever. And, you know, fine. Um, I thought Weo was our, our best attacking player as he has been for a while. Um, and Pepe, you know, tried some stuff, didn't work. I, I, I think, I think on, on, on the rewatch, uh, Ben, I think he'll grade out really well, but he didn't like do stuff. Question about Weo. Does he seem very right footed to you guys? Oh, it yeah. seems like there's a couple times when he could have taken something with his left and just refused to even try it. Yeah. When, there, there was a, a corner in which it, it leaked out to the other side. Uh, and so he was on the left and he had all of the room uh, to the, to the end line. And he just cut it back in uh, as if, as if he was Christian Pulisic. Um, but speaking of him, he came on, Christian came on in the 60th, uh, got a goal that he needed. Um, it looked like, it looked like he, he had a big relief about that. And, and what I thought, like the first thing I thought about that was, this is a get right game, right? Like, like when you, like when you're not, when you're not playing well and you, and then suddenly next time the schedule is uh, Akron, you're like, okay, everybody's, everybody's going to eat. Everybody's going to feel good about themselves. It's like a get right game. Like let's, let's just everybody, everybody gets some, which is, I think what was mildly frustrating for Pepe, but. FB ref confirms that Tim Wea is 89% right footed. Yeah. Which is the highest I've seen that I'm aware of. It's great. It's great. It's good. That's interesting for a guy that you, he's actually like pretty technically sound. Like he has a very clean first touch. He has good, yeah. like close body control. Like, I don't know, four years ago when everyone would like hammer Jordan Morris for being like super right footed, it was like, oh, well, it's because, you know, he just doesn't know how to use his feet. Like, way a, it's never really been a comment with him, but clearly he has preference. 
I, I, I wonder if it's if if it's the fact that like when he has played, I, I like I don't know that he has found a defender who can stick with him on his right, so he's never like had to develop a second move. It's like just like re- go ahead. Just for reference, I just googled Arjen Robin just to see he was ninety five percent left footed. So there, there are people that are more one footed out there. Um, <laughs> but and like, possibly as talented as and successful as Wea. Well, yeah, but like, like what I was thinking about was talking Wea, about George like, Wea. <laughs> <laughs> um, with Wea, like, like I think even in in league, um, and certainly when he was we is in the Scottish Premiership, which I watched a full game of today because I'm dealing with a COVID quarantine. Um, but uh, well, were you, were you waiting for Z- James Sands to sub on? Because that's why I had it on. <laughs> no, I was I was actually watching <laughs> for two reasons: one, Cameron Carter Vickers. Uh, and two, Liel Abada, a uh, 20-year-old winger from Israel who just, like, showed up at Cal- uh, Celtic and has somehow scored, like, seven goals in 20 games. Um, and, nice. And, and someone, like, I think unironically in my Twitter feed, uh, who, who, like, does not, like, not Israeli or, or, or Jewish or, or interested, was like, this kid looks like, this lo- kid looks like a homeless man's Mo Salah. And it was just like, wow, that's where we're at with him. <laughs> It's like Scottish premiership. <laughs> Anyways, um, but when Weo was at Celtic or, or even in League uh, um, I don't get the sense that there's anybody who can really stick with him when he goes to his right. So he's like, he doesn't have a counter because he's like a, a pass rusher who you, can't, who you can't deal with their bull rush. So they don't need a counter move. Like they just do the thing where they go to the right and you can't stop them. Um, so well, I, I get- He didn't get off any shots on the right tonight. That's true. That's true. But it, I mean- he, he, he got what he wanted to, right? Like he, he got those crosses in and, and we didn't get a goal from Absolutely. it, but. Um, I, I guess, I, I mean, we, we, we got the result, but we still didn't score like a goal from the run of play. So that Kellen Acosta chip was pretty nice though. Yeah, that was real nice. Um, that was, and, and there were a couple of times where, where goals could have happened and there, and there was like a defender on the, on the goal line who kicked it out and that, that offside where, where Pulisic scored was not offside. Oh, and, it, that Harris, poor dude who blocked Harrison. two shots and then they scored it. Like I just felt good for him that they didn't score. Yeah, right. Um, so so that that sort of um that sort of sentiment about like not scoring from open play. Um and Alexi Lalas was like very, very excited about it at halftime. Um, like about scoring off of set pieces, which okay. But um I actually I actually was thinking about this and and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Um like we want, and Greg Berhalter wants America to be this like possession heavy motion breakdown teams through beautiful football, whatever. Um, and for most of my a life and, and certainly most of my soccer watching life, America was not that we were transition set piece and defend. And like, that's sort of what we did. And so like, I wonder if like at a certain point, like as we get closer to Qatar and it becomes not about like, developing for the future but like let's go out and and win some games hopefully like i wonder if we get back to that because um ultimately like as, as technically sound as we think tim Weah and christian pulisic and Gio reyna and wes mckinney are each of them also is very capable of defend transition set piece um and i wonder if like that's not the way you you are successful in qatar because that's how we were successful in the nation's league and it's how we were successful in the gold cup granted different situations and and also home games, which we've talked about. But um, you know, I I, I, I want to get your thoughts on that. So, one quick thought 
on the the Nations League. I think back to how we won those games, and that's an interesting point. Although the results lately have felt very like lackluster, there were a lot of games that we did not control. And we, I mean, yes, Canada scored against the run of play really on us, but like we we control most games now with our midfield, so that is progression. But to like stylistically how we should score, um, I saw like a, a it's like a an extended headline with some quotes from McKenney alluding to the fact that they're not like transitioning quickly enough, like when they're, when they're turning teams over and pressing high and they're very, it's almost like Frank DeBoer at Atlanta esque. Did that seem like a veiled shot at like yes. coaches don't want us to do that? Yes. That, that was yes. how it read. There was yeah. nothing like explicit, like, but it was as close to anything in the media that I've seen from a player where it's like seemingly some discomfort or, or annoyances with tactics. And he makes a valid point is when we do move the ball up the field, rather than trying to play like a a killer final pass during the transition phase, there's a lot of put your foot on it, let the overlap come recycle it, get in your shape. And then now we're going to try and break down this, you know, deep line bunker. Whereas we have the athletes and the players to, to quickly hit, to do like Jesse Marsh ball. Well, and and tonight it seemed like, there were a few times where we almost were ready to go and then a pass would be a little bit behind. And then that just done flow is gone and you recycle it. And then you're working against 10 men in the box again. I agree. I did notice it, it seemed like there was a little bit more of an intent to, to progress more quickly straight into, you know, we, you want three passes and a shot on goal versus it being, you know, around the back probing, looking, looking, looking. I don't know if Berhalter can like coach that stylistic difference, but it doesn't seem like it's that hard of a thing to do. Like, I don't know the players play. Most clubs play like fast attacking soccer. Now where it's everyone presses, everyone goes very few people just sit. You know what Berhalter reminds me a little bit of, you remember uh, Brian Billick when he was the coach of the Ravens, he was hired from, I think the Vikings as like a, you know, as like a offensive mastermind. And he went over to the Vikings over to the Ravens and immediately ran a crappy offense and with an amazing defense. So to me, like Berhalter does not seem capable of creating a high flying offense. He's got the defense going like they're very good. They don't give up goals. They don't give up chances, but they just don't, they can possess the ball. They just can't create with the ball. So I don't know what, I mean, he's, he's what exactly an, to do with that. He's Kirk Ferentz. He doesn't, he doesn't want to have a high flying <laughs> offense. Like, like I, th- I think that the way that Greg Berhalter sees the game, I think that he sees it like, like a uh, uh, American low rent Josie Mourinho, right? Like, like he wants to, he wants to play defense solidly. He wants to choke teams out and he would love it if he got one or two goals against the run of play. The problem is, is that he plays in a confederation and in a conference where he is the most talented, if not the second most talented um, team in the, in, in the, in the, in the Ocho. Uh, man, I, I really wanted to call it the, uh, the hacks, but, but it, the, the octagonal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like other teams are going to bunker hard against you. So like, you can't play the way that you want to play um, because other teams are, are, are going to, to let you. So like, that's why you get games where it's like one zero, what you know, zero zero deep into the sixties, seventies. Well, and his his like 
you've heard him ref- refer to this before. Like he wants to wear teams out. Like, I don't think he cares that it's zero, zero after 60 minutes. Cause he thinks if it's zero, zero, we have 65% of the ball, they're going to get tired and we're going to score. So maybe that is a Kirk Ferentz, like ball possession style yeah. thing. We're going to run the ball and we're going to play defense. Uh, I think there is something to that. And they've, they've acknowledged that through the three game qualification windows and even in nations league that, Oh, well, we just have like, we have the depth and the bodies to do it. And I do wonder if they're leaning into that a bit too hard and I'm, uh, how you transition to this high flying offense. I'm obviously not a highly paid professional soccer coach, but he, he isn't, it's not like we're sitting, our, our fullbacks get up the field. We commit numbers forward. It, it isn't like this thing where he just won't come out of his shell to, to do it. I don't know if it's like, I still I, think it's like those, those, those transition moments we don't take enough of an advantage of. And we, we constantly allow teams to get into their low block. And then we send our numbers forward and we try to outthink it versus just being like, Hey, guess what? It, we have the players on our team to, to score goals, like in three on fives. Like you need to tell me that like Polistic McKenney and, and, and me running at a team couldn't score goals. Even if it's like, even if we're down a guy, like we have the players to do it. Well, we have guys that can score in transition. I don't think assuming that Pulisic isn't in his like, you know, high flying form, we don't really have anybody just going to do a guy and score a goal. You're right. Like maybe, maybe Reyna can be that if he gets back, but we don't have that guy. And it doesn't seem like, I don't know, maybe I don't want to like just, you know, kind of crap on Berhalter, but he doesn't teach the patterns well enough or doesn't come up with the right complimenting runs to like draw that out. I don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a good explanation. Yeah. I think it, it so, might be personnel. I, so I actually, my, my theory is, is that I, I think that Burhalter is, is wants to, you know, like you said, fullbacks push up, he has his patterns, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think that there is a directive that, and I'm going to use a basketball analogy because that's my coaching background um, where everybody goes and gets the defensive rebound, right? Like you're not allowed to leak out. Um, and so if you're not allowed to leak out, those transition moments aren't there because if, if Tyler turns someone over, nobody's forward yet. So he has to wait for people to get forward and can't play those balls quickly because so everybody is committed to defense, but, um, I used to think it was a midfielder issue, but Musa McKenney and De La Torre, like they're not, they're not pick the lock tens. No one's going to con- convince them or confuse them for that, but, but they are all very forward thinking. I like how I'm just like now throwing De La Torre in there as he got his one start and looks so nice. <laughs> like, but they are all very progressive. Like Musa, Musa can, can, can body a guy off the ball and, and transition up the field as quickly as like anyone in our pool. So it's not a, it's not an issue of our midfielders not being able to run at people. Anthony Robinson's a spectacular athlete. He runs well in space. It's just, it's like we we get the ball even with like the top of the 18 yard box, and then it's like okay, all right, now everyone take a deep breath. Let's get into our <laughs> positions and like let's run our drills. And sometimes like you just gotta like you gotta continue that attacking action. And I don't know how to articulate that any better because I'm not a brilliant so, soccer mind. <laughs> so, so I think like obviously we'll we have time between now and and the next um, the next three game window um, coming into this window. If you if you had asked us at the beginning. Um, how many points would you expect to have after 11 games? And and the answer is 22-ish, you know, without knowing what games they are. We have 21. Um, 
And obviously we have, we have a difficult window, could be more difficult or less difficult, depending on what happens in this uh, Mexico-Panama game. And also, to be honest, this El Salvador-Canada game, both of which are, are 0-0 at the moment. Um, so what I want to, what I want to sort of like transition to here is exactly how confident are you? And, and, you know, Monte Carlo aside, this is feelings ball. This is, this is like gut feeling coming off of this game in which we needed three set pieces to, to hammer down on Honduras. Um, knowing that Gio is coming back, feeling like John Brooks is probably back part of the situation because of, of the Richards injury. Um, how, how confident are you going into this last window? Uh, eight out of 10. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I, I still, it, it took a, such a confluence of errors and, and a, also a team that is just so drastic. The, the talent gap between the team that haunts all of our memories and from Trinidad has very little to do with the players and the quality of players that we have today. The, the seemingly must win game is at home. And if you remember before, that was a brutal schedule. If you look at like our points per game in that hex and like the results that happened, like there were a couple of weird games where we like blew the doors off people. And otherwise we were like pretty dang bad. We beat Panama, I think four to nothing. The the game before we went down to Trinidad Um, it's at home, assuming that Mexico does what they need to do. And we don't have some weird situation where all of a sudden Costa Rica becomes a little bit more problematic. Like we should be through. I also, I I don't I was going to say, for that to happen, like, everything had to go wrong. As terrible as we were, like, <laughs> what was it? Uh, Panama had to score, like, a goal that wasn't even a goal. Yeah. Like, it was just all kinds of weird crap happening there. So, like, I don't know. I feel like maybe we're not high-flying right now, but we're fine, whatever. Just bleh. We'll get in. Um. So, so I, th- I think, like, really the thing is, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, is that, like, it's it's disappointing, right? Like, because we have an expectation that's pretty unearned around these parts based on talent. Uh, but like, we haven't actually won anything and we haven't qualified for a World Cup since 2013, uh, give or take. <laughs> when so, you say it like that, it sounds so icky. Right? But, 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 it, but it's true, right? So like- It's true. Like, so, so I think, I think like the, the game here is like, it has always been simply qualify. And, and that year that, that Mexico made that run, I don't, I don't remember what World Cup it was because I, I tend to forget those things. But like they got in after beating New Zealand or whoever the New right, Zealand in the playoff game. Yeah. yeah. Whoever that New Zealand was. Like, so like I actually don't care how we look in World Cup qualifying as long as we get through. Um, I don't well, really want to play in that playoff game at all, but well, sure. the, dis- the disappointing thing to me is like, do you remember there was two or three years there where UCF was like a top 10 team? Sure. Scott Frost and- era. Right. Yeah. And I mean, clearly they were not a top 10 talent. Like they weren't recruiting in the top 10, but they just had coaches that had found the way to found a way to get the best out of those players and had them playing well. We seem to not be doing that. In fact, I would say we're getting a little bit less from our pool than it seems like we should. A lot less. Texas A&M. Yeah. Texas Texas A&M. Right. I don't know who, I don't know who the coach is, but it seems like there is somebody out there that would be able to give us a puncher's chance against whatever, Brazil, Spain, Germany, whatever. And I mean, it's just not... Jesse Marsh is the answer. Maybe. I think stylistically that is the answer. And yeah. and even if you just go player for player, our, I don't know, go 18 deep. 
there's very few teams in the world that at least these players wouldn't be making rosters as part of their World Cup qualifying initiatives. I mean, like, yeah, there there are the true heavy hitters where you have France. Who France has three teams that would win the World Cup, but you know, yeah, outside outside of France, Brazil, I mean, like Lord, Germany, right? Yeah. The, the the big dog powers, and I, this is something else that sometimes frustrates me with people who 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 follow soccer, but a little bit more casually is they, they act like if you aren't France or Samba Brazil, your team's trash. And like, that's no, not true. We don't have, so look at Croatia. Like we don't have Modric and Rakitic, but beyond that, right. Like I would say we're a very comparable team to Croatia. Uh, I, I will say uh, in watching Croatia's left back today, because he plays for <laughs> Rangers. Uh, yeah. I feel very confident in saying that Jedi would start for Croatia. Right. We have, we have players that like, you can't, you can't say objectively because player evaluation is inherently subjective, but objectively based on the merits <laughs> that they have achieved in Europe and the teams that they play for and the ages that they are, they would find the field or find the rosters for some very, very, very strong sides. And for us to still be like dinking around and having to do the math on, home and away points when we're talking about teams that are fielding USL rosters. Um, that's, that's the icky feeling. In possibly the easiest qualification group in the world. Oh, I mean, maybe easily. Oceana is easier. I don't well, know. They're but... not even doing good. I don't think they're even having qualification. They haven't started it yet. I think they're just giving the bid to New Zealand by default. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. I, as far as I know, they haven't started, but yes. Oh no, no doubt. This is the easiest qualifying in the world. Yeah, it's it's absolutely because there are there are in any given in any given time there are five teams for four spots, right? Like it, it's always going to be America, it's always going to be Mexico, it's usually Costa Rica, and then you know apparently yeah. Canada, whatever uh, other team jumps up, Canada, yeah. Jamaica, whatever, right? Whoever it happens to be that year. Um, but yeah, I mean we we are in the easiest qualifying, but also I think that like there's a certain there's a certain creeping variable that we also have forgotten that that I think is important is that talent is good but experienced talent is better and like we can talk about how great Luca Della Torre is today was his first start you know we can talk about how great uh you know Tim Weah is Tim Weah was playing for the U20s at, at the 2019 U20 World Cup same with Serginho Dest same with uh Weston Kinney I think um no he wasn't there but anyway, Richie Williams hates Weston McKinney. Remember, right, right. <laughs> um, but you know, like, like, like Miles Robinson should have been on an Olympic roster this year. Um, you know, our, our one of our best options at left back was should have been on the Olympic route. Like, we don't we're 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 deep, but we're deep with talent, not proven talent. So you know, like, while it's while it's true that we are talented, and while it's true that we should be running this shit, um, we're also young. You know, and so like I think I think if we had to qualify in 2026, I think we would we would be doing what Brazil is doing to to South America right now. Well, I mean, the hope is that we just happen to find form or peak in you know November of 2022. Like, right. who cares about qualifying? Get through, and then you just got to figure out a way to peak at the right time. Yeah, and and between now and then we'll have friendlies. There was a report that um, Argentina wants to do like a tour of North America, um, around, around September. Um, and, and I think it'll be fine, you know, assuming we, we, we don't have the nightmare scenario and I, look, I'm assuming that for the purposes of this discussion, I'm not, I'm not taking it for granted. 
but assuming Kevin's nightmare parlay doesn't hit, um, I am no. betting that this year. I, I thought about it that at before the Trinidad game and at halftime, and I never did it. And I, I'm actually going to sit down in the next like probably week or two and pick like the four results that just have to not go a specific way in combination. <laughs> like the cornerstone being like the Panama beating um, the U.S. Canada losing to Costa Rica. And then there's like probably like one or two other ones that as long as like the confluence of those results don't break that way, like we're going and I'll happily lose like a hundred bucks to, to make sure that we <laughs> lock our spot. I like it. Uh, yeah. Good with that. I'll, I'll, I'll forward you some, some, uh, some Bitcoin to, uh, to bet on that um, <laughs> because it is illegal to bet in my state. And so I, I might mm-hmm. as well use cryptocurrency, which uh, the origin of which was in fact doing illegal stuff without tracking it. People forget that about about cryptocurrency. It was used on the dark web. Um, I prefer to to invest in things that are more tangible, like uh, NFTs. NFTs. <laughs> right. I threw away my NFT card from Cincinnati, and my brother texted me. He was like, "I sold mine for eighty bucks." I'm like, what? <laughs> well, uh, on that note, um, before we before we sign off, you know, we we've talked a lot about how. Um, America needs to to impose its will and be better and, and do things. Uh, as we currently stand, uh, Canada tied with El Salvador. Mexico tied with Panama. Mexico, please, 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 one time do something that helps us. One time. Canada's now winning. Canada's I am, up 1-0 I, now. I am undefeated in saying things. Uh, thank you so much to our guests. Uh, I, I, I call them guests because that's how we roll, but they are here as much as anybody. Uh, you can find Ben on Twitter at BL Herald uh, or on his website, halfspaces.com. Um, he has reviews of each of the games and he helps you understand things in ways that uh, maybe some former American superstars maybe don't want because maybe they like to believe that they're always right, even if they're not. Uh, Kevin. That tweet got like 14 likes. Suck it. Your 30,000 <laughs> followers got you 14 likes. No engagement, sucker. <laughs> Um, you can find Kevin on various burner accounts on Reddit. We still have not found any, uh, we have people looking into it, but, but we do not have any confirmations. Um, otherwise you can find him in the woods, uh, or on the weather forums because he's also there, uh, for all of your worst takes, please, uh, at Mr. Mojo rising 89, uh, he's not here. Uh, so please like tell him the worst things possible. Just actually tell him that, uh, that 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 ben says hi just tweet at him ben says hi that's that's it uh Let's see how many listeners we have Sorry. yeah right <laughs> um and uh for all your other takes please uh like subscribe or follow us on on twitter at tls underscore n underscore tds um we love engagement uh if we don't love your engagement we'll we'll mute you we do it uh you know certain people used to interact with us now they don't wonder why um a special thank you to our sponsors, the Smith Workforce Management Group, as well as whoever Blue Wire decided to put in in this episode. Um, and a special thank you to you, the listener. Um, please like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your loved ones. Uh, we couldn't and wouldn't do this without you. So thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. Podcast Network.